This is Peter Dyseth. And if you like trans fats, you'll love Nostalgic Future Podcast. This is the Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. We're two guys in our 40s watching the world pass us by. And we know the only way we'll ever be relevant again is to somehow convince everyone to be as passionate as we are about our pop culture obsessions. We are your hosts, Joe Cook and Chris Marchand, and today is our Flamin' Hot episode with guest Peter Dyseth. Well, Joe, it is good to be back. We have a another great episode, and you know what? It's funny. This one is kind of a first, but really it's not a first at all. It's actually a third. We are having Peter Dyseth as a guest once again. We wanted to check in with him. He is one of the stars of the Flamin' Hot movie, the, the origin story of Flamin' Hot Cheetos and Doritos and everything else that comes along with it that's uh, right now streaming on Disney Plus and Hulu. And uh, so we decided to have him back on the podcast to hear how he's been doing, talk about the film, and uh, we're excited to be able to talk to him today. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a great movie, isn't it, Chris? I enjoyed it immensely. I laughed, I cried, I bought Flaming Hot Doritos. I mean, it, 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 the whole thing worked. I, I bought Flaming Hot Ruffles. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was definitely some good advertising because you're watching the movie, and as the movie goes on and on, you just want Flaming Hot flavoring more and more and more. Yeah, you know, when we talked with Peter, I, I should have asked him, you know, how much of the funding actually came from Doritos uh, from from Frito Lay's uh, themselves. That's what I want to know, because uh, it was, you know, I, I heard one uh, article. I read one article that cynically said, you know, it's it's an hour and a half long commercial. <laughs> and I think they're kind of right. I mean, I can't I can't uh, disagree. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, there's there's some epic product placement for sure. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, but what, what a fun, though, just fun, family friendly movie. I mean, I, you, there really are laugh out loud moments but it's also yeah. kind of thought provoking it's uh it's a moving film yep you know it's an inspirational film it's it's a little bit of an underdog film you know it's kind of funny it reminded me of a little bit of the football film from the 90s rudy you know like the guy that no one gave him enough credit everyone always counted him out but he ends up succeeding at the end a little bit i mean it's that kind of genre but instead of sports it's you know it's food it's snacks <laughs> <laughs> which for guys like us it's it's uh, even more relatable. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, you know, it's it's a good conversation. We're excited to have him uh, again on, as a guest. And uh, he, he was so gracious to be able to, like, come back on. Absolutely. He's always great to have on. And, and if anybody hasn't heard them yet, go back and listen to the, the two past interviews we did with him during the final season of Better Call Saul, uh, which is like, you know, still like, you know, I think for both of us, like one of our favorite shows of all time and may always be <laughs> I, I had one of those uh moments this week where uh you know i you know you, 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 you we've talked about this a lot and i think we're going to talk about it more on a future episode that we uh we struggle to find something that you know really engages us that we were you know something that we want to waste hours of our life binging and I just had another one of those moments this week where I was like, you know, maybe I should just start Breaking Bad over again and just go back through that universe again because it it never disappoints. That's right. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's always a reminder to get back to it. And you know, we will talk about that in an upcoming episode. Like, what is worth our time? What are we gonna you know invest in? And uh, 
it's interesting. There's so much stuff out there, isn't it? And, and everything's a commitment. Yeah. And, and Flamin' Hot is absolutely, I can say, you know, with all confidence, worth your time. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's hilarious. And I did. I cried. You know, you know, I found it pretty moving, to be honest with you. So we're going to dive in uh, to the film Flaming Hot and a little bit more with Peter Dyseth uh, in, uh, well, want to start things right now? We'll go for it. Joe, Chris, how are you guys doing? Doing well, yeah. Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you guys. So, man, uh, this is really like serendipitous. I got a text message yesterday, like out of nowhere. Uh-huh. One of my like oldest best friends, uh, I went to high school with him. We worked our first two jobs together, Steve Vassallo. He knows that I love Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and he does too. But he hadn't seen the last season of Saul yet mm-hmm. because he was like a lot of people. He's waiting for it to hit Netflix. Right. So he texts me yesterday morning. He says, oh, hey, just wanted to let you know I finished Better Call Saul. I finally finished it. So we we're kind of chatting back and forth about it. I said, well, that's cool. And I took a screenshot of you from the last episode. See, I'm, you know, I'm talking to this guy tomorrow. And he <laughs> said, oh, cool. And I said, yeah, he's got a, a new movie out called Flamin' Hot. He texts me back. He said, he said, oh, man. He goes, I loved Flamin' Hot. He goes, I've been telling everybody about it. And I recognize that guy right away. <laughs> um, so all that to say, since the, you know, we last talked to you, it's been almost a year yeah. in the past year since the big finale. Do you find yourself getting recognized more on the streets of Albuquerque? I'll tell you what, uh, short answer. Yes. Um, Flamin' Hot has been so much bigger than than any of us by us, I mean me, and anticipated. I, I, you know, we filmed it like two years ago and had such a great time doing it. And it was getting good feedback, not like for my performance, but just for the film, like the scenes we shot, like everyone, you know, the, the higher ups were saying good things about it. So everybody had a feeling that, um, that it was something fun. And then we were just kind of hoping that it would, it would find, you know, the, the right audience. But I don't think any of us expected it to be like, um, uh, as big as it is. Um, and, um, I've, I've been, um, recognized far more for Flamin' Hot than ever for Saul or, or anything. No kidding. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense because Flamin' Hot's more of a, it's more family oriented, right? So you have a much broader audience, um, whereas Saul was sort of the, uh, adults ish, but, um, yeah, the res- the response has been amazing. Everyone I've talked to has just really loved it and really hates me, <laughs> which is totally understandable. I think I think last year, I think a year ago when we talked, I, I was previewing you about uh, about the film, and I mentioned that uh, my character is a little bit like evil Bill Oakley, and uh, I think I still stand by that. <laughs> it's a fair description. <laughs> so we have a few you know, initial questions, but when we get to the film, I totally want to talk about how you're the baddie, you know, you're, you are the villain. So that, that we got, we got yeah. to address that. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we get there, fill us in on the last year. I, I mean, one of the things I'm curious about as, you know, working actors or just artists, working artists, what has the last year of your life looked like in terms of any roles we should be aware of, but also 
this is another pronged question, which is mm-hmm. how is the Writers Guild strike affecting you, affecting your peers? You know, it's it's kind of funny as as a viewer, we just sit here twiddling our thumbs, going, "Come on, you know, give us new content." Yeah. But actually, I have more of a mind of like, yeah, but the people on the ground, what is this? How does this affect people in their daily lives? So, kind of, could you could you fill us in on your own stuff, but also like what's going on? Like what's going on, and what what kind of stuff do you all talk about? So it's been a really um, it's been a really quiet time for me uh, recently. I did a whole bunch of filming um, a whole bunch of couple of years ago. That's all sort of seeing the light of day now. And then I did a little bit in the fall. I had a guest spot on um, a Nickelodeon show called The Really Loud House, which was so much fun. But it's it's been uh, it's, it's been quiet here uh, in New Mexico. Um, partially because of the writer's strike right now. A lot of a lot of productions are shut down. In fact, I don't know much of anything that's going on right this moment. So in, in that respect, yeah, the, the the strike is is affecting you know me and, and the rest of the actors here. But we are uh, everyone I've talked to is all 100 percent supportive of them. I mean, it's not it's so hard from the outside perspective to to see what's going on. So just a lot of it, times it gets framed as, oh, you know, the writers, the creatives, they just want more money. But really, at, at this point in time, we all, uh, the writers and the actors uh, as well, the directors, everyone, are really fighting for the future of our careers as, um, um, you know, the, this really sudden onset of, of AI everything uh, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I just wasn't having, didn't have a close enough eye on the industry. But it just seemed like all of a sudden it's in it's in every corner of every industry. And um, when studio heads, when when the people in charge of content, um, when their bottom line is just money, when it's about uh, making shareholders uh, happy on phone calls then they're going to do what they can to save money or to keep as much money as possible. And that comes down to the easiest way to do things, right? Selecting bids from uh, visual effects houses that say that they can do it the fastest, not the best, the fastest and for the least amount of money. And, and when money is the bottom line, like we all uh, suffer, including the viewers. So we're really fighting for um, for the futures of our careers. Um, I mean, the uh, the writers are fighting right now, and um, the uh, the actors SAG-AFTRA has approved has authorized the strike, uh, a ninety eight percent approval vote, which is incredibly high. Um, they're in negotiations right now. We are in negotiations right now, so we'll we'll find out in the next couple of weeks if if we'll be joining the, the writers on the strike line. But um, you know, if so, happy to be there. So uh, as far as personally, not a lot of uh, work recently. I've been teaching a lot, some acting courses around town. I wanted to ask you, you just wrapped up one earlier this month, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah tell us about that. It was a film acting fundamentals. Yeah. So it's, um, I've been doing this for about a year now and it'll be a new class starting up soon. Um, but it's, um, it's essentially a class for, for anyone who's looking to get into the, you know, into the business. Albuquerque and New Mexico continues to grow as a as a film and TV hub and more and more people want to get involved in, in acting. And um, it's um, <laughs> if all you know is the acting part, it's a really daunting uh, business to, to dive into. Uh, there's so much that I wish I would have have known just about 
what you're supposed to do. What happens when you go on set? Like, where do you go? Who do you talk to? What to expect? So the class is sort of half about um, acting theory, uh, you know, character development and, and script analysis and, and that sort of thing. And then uh, half sort of talking about the realities of, of the business and practical information and advice on, on what to do as an actor in film and TV. So sort of a sort of an introductory course for anyone who's uh, who's looking to to get into the into the life. And this has been a relatively new thing for you teaching. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a little bit of teaching in the past, but this is the first time that I've sort of spearheaded my own class having to do with acting specifically. So it's been amazing, not only to meet and work with uh, all these all these uh, new actors, but also there's nothing like being forced to verbalize your own thoughts and theories to find out what you really have a grasp on and what you really uh, are not <laughs> are not clear with. So it's been very selfishly, it's been very beneficial to me as well. Um, uh, leveling up my game and and furthering my uh, my craft. It's been it's been really amazing. So I'm excited to continue doing it. I'll be doing another film acting fundamentals intro course here pretty soon. In fact, I have a meeting next week to talk about it. Um, probably August, maybe September, and then we'll get, we're going to be doing another class as well called scene study, in which we'll all get together and we'll uh, we'll work on scenes from various like genres. Like we'll do a sitcom, we'll do a procedural, we'll do a, I don't know what, we have to we have to nail it down, but just to sort of uh, talk about, analyze and work on the different styles of acting because there, there, are, there are a lot. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, one thing I wanted to just ask you about too, is I saw you were, you were at the Duke City Comic-Con, the local Comic-Con there uh, this past yeah. weekend in Albuquerque. So when you're there and people come up to you, like, what do you hear most? Is it Bill Oakley? Is it you, Roswell? Did you get some flaming hot fans coming up? Yeah, quite a few, quite a few flaming hot fans. A lot of people that just came up and said, uh, "We just watched Flaming Hot movie is great." It's like I know, I loved it too. Um, a few Roswell, not a lot, and then um, uh, yeah, quite a few, quite a few Saul fans. They always want to know. Um, what I thought about Jimmy's uh, actions at the end of the finale and whether uh, what, what happened to Bill after that, if he was able to keep his career on track or something else happened. Hold on, Mr. Goodman, stop right there. Consult Mr. Oakley before you say another word. Your Honor, I believe the court deserves the whole truth. You are contradicting your plea agreement's sworn factual basis. No offense, Your Honor, but I... I think I know the law here better than you do. Your Honor, we'd like to request a recess. No, we do not need a recess. Your Honor, we are satisfied for Mr. Goodman to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to petition to withdraw from this case. Denied. Well, respectfully. Not a I chance. Well, in the past year, have you had any uh, change of heart on that? I know, like, uh, you know, you've had a year to process that finale. No, I, I, still, I still maintain that Bill understands what happened in, in the end and why why Jimmy Gene Saul did what he did. And I still maintain that he will probably, even though he's forgiven him, he will never take another phone call from him again. And um I I, I believe I really believe that that none of that blame is going to land on Bill's shoulders. I think he'll be the butt of a joke as usual. But um I don't think it I don't think it would have hurt his career that much because anyone who's taken even like 
five seconds to look at the case would see that he had nothing to do with any of it. Literally, like none of it. Uh, he was only there so that um, so that Jimmy could represent himself, essentially, without uh, without drawing criticism. Any rumblings of the Oakley spinoff that we're all waiting for? Oh, man, just the ones in my own tummy and heart and soul. No, no, there, there's... Uh, yeah, Joe and I were saying if there's going to be an Oakley spinoff, you know, we could be like, you know, the, the PAs, you know, we could be the the yeah the caterer, you know, <laughs> whatever you're looking for, you know. I will I will throw your names in the hat <laughs> if the opportunity ever arises. <laughs> uh, no, are you kidding? I I would do just about anything legal to uh, to continue working in that universe, but um, you know, obviously, I have. No say. <laughs> I'll sit here and continue to do my work and hope and pray that someday Bill can see the light of day again. Well, let's talk flaming hot. Yeah. The guy started at the very bottom. I know I don't look it, but I got a PhD. Hmm. I'm poor, hungry, and determined, sir. Okay. I can see you're going to be a weird one. What's happening? Layoffs, son. Lots of them. Frito Lay isn't getting enough orders to keep the factory open. Who eats Cool Ranch anyway? That lady. Ow, 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 ow. What is it? It burns. Well, stop eating it. No, I like it. It burns good. I had been searching for an answer. And there it was. They had been there the entire time. I got an idea. It's a spicy chip. It's going to change everything. It will save our factory. And you're a janitor. Okay, no, 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 hang on. Figure out the next step. See, the Hispanic market will not be ignored. The Hispanic market will not be ignored. Good, but in your voice. Why are we wasting time on this janitor's crazy idea? Guys like you and me, we don't get shots like this. You see that guy right there? I see a chingon, a montañez. Yo soy montañez. Get out there and be great. We want to know that we matter to you. If we knew that there was a product out there for us, we say, take all our money, cabrones. I got a little hood there at the end, but. Burns good or burns bad? It burns good. First off, it is a great movie. It's a fun family movie. We watched it uh, as a family, loved it. So, like, take us back to the beginning, just about how you got that role. Uh, give us, like, an idea of what the audition process was like, uh, just to, you know, how you got involved with that project. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, the audition. Um, yes, I remember. Okay, so this was, uh, shoot, we filmed it in the, uh, the, the end of the summer of 2021, like August. So we were in, we were in lockdown mode. So the audition, it was a self-tape at home, and um, it was for a character named uh, something else. I, I don't know. I don't know what the character's name was, but it, but it was the same character. It was James Finley, but it, it had a different name. And I was really excited because it was, um, you know, it was a, a fairly significant role, uh, especially compared to other auditions I'd been getting at the time. So, uh, yeah, I filmed it at home. I don't think it was a Zoom one. I think I think it was just I filmed it and then I sent it off. Yeah, then there was a callback. 
Was there a callback? Oh man, this is a terrible story. I should have got my information right. The point. The point is this: uh, after the audition, which I thought I had a lot of fun with, and I thought went really well, um, I got a role offer, which is uh, you know you get the job. Your agent emails you with a role offer, which has uh, the name of the character, the approximate dates you're working, the type of contract, the amount, like all the the basic details, so that you can look at everything and then say, "Yep, that sounds good. Let's do it." So I got the role offer and it was for a different name. It was for James Finley, who I didn't I didn't understand that it was the same character. I thought it was somebody different. So I was like, oh, oh well, I guess disappointing. It's it's like I didn't even see his name on the on the list. So it must have been, must be just like a one-liner, which I was still super excited about. You know, work, work is work. And I I loved uh, um everything I had read of uh, the movie so far. So I was stoked, but I was a little disappointed. And it wasn't until um like a couple of weeks later when I got the script. I got the script. I was like, "Oh, wait, it is that's the same that's the same role." Hey. So I had two uh, I had two celebrations uh there, one when I uh, got cast and one when I finally realized who I was cast as. Yeah, I was it was a lot of fun um reading for it cuz I had um it, the thing with the audition was it was a really if I remember right, it was a really big audition. Essentially, I had almost all of my lines in the movie like as my scenes to audition with. So it was like 10 pages, which is usually pretty daunting, uh, especially when there's a quick turnaround. But if I remember right, I had like a couple of weeks to prepare. So it was it was like the ideal situation. And, you know, it was just so much fun to play with. So I had a, I had a great time auditioning. I don't always or even usually, <laughs> but the, for this one, I really did. Um, and then we had a... Um, uh, the first time we all got together was uh, uh, on Zoom. We had our first read through on Zoom. In fact, I was right here when I did it because of, of COVID and stuff. And then when we finally started shooting, you know, it was the early days, uh, still the early days of filming during COVID time. So the early days of COVID protocols. So we were, everyone was, was still trying to figure it out. I remember they had a, a machine called the Virus Killer. <laughs> which is a fan that now they're, they're pretty much everywhere at every office building they have them but it was really new to me back then um, I got so excited I, I went online to try to find one for our house and there were like ten thousand dollars so it's like nope never mind but we all had the the face shields and and stuff and and I'm rambling now but um no the, the process of getting the role was was pretty exciting and um surprising you know the, the role is interesting because like you said there's kind of like a Greek chorus of, of execs, right? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And at first they're all kind of this mass, right? And you know, they've all got their little comments. The editing of the film is really quick, right? It's kind of got this nice rapid fire pace. Yeah. It's very energetic, mm -hmm. very energetic. And so what's interesting is that as the movie goes on, you begin to emerge as the villain, you know, now if, if there is a villain, I mean, probably the main villain of the movie is his own self-doubt or maybe, you know, his conflict with his father. But yeah. but later on, you're this guy that kind of presents this problem, which, you know, you know what I was surprised with before you answer about playing that kind of role. Mm -hmm. I guess I was surprised the overall complexity of the film. Right. So it wasn't just about a guy with a dream, you know, spicy Cheetos or whatever. It's about. America's history of racism. It's about oh, faith, yeah. you know, faith yeah. and doubt. You know, it's it's there's all kinds of stuff bound up into it. So there's all these guys that posed him opposition, and you're one of them. Uh, the Matt Walsh character, I can't remember his name. I like Matt Walsh from Veep. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's the guy from Veep. He's wonderful. He's great. <laughs> He's great. But, you know, like there's there's several people that kind of, put, you know, stand in his way. So just, I don't know, talk about being the kind of the the weaselly villain guy that's making everything difficult for our, our protagonist here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, so so much of what um, is interesting in in story is 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 conflict and and what what comes from conflict. I mean, that's essentially what story is. So to be sort of um, in a little way, in some way, a sort of driving force of conflict uh, was was just a, a heck of a lot of fun. You know, just being able to to push back against it. Listen, gentlemen, no offense, but our shelves are boring. People. My people, they're tired of the same old flavors. It's like, I grew up with a lot of flavors and I've been searching for that taste and everything I buy ever since. I want a food that tastes like home. This is it. Everything I grew up with in a bag, chili chips. And if you put this out there, you'll see that there's this whole market that no one else is paying attention to. Us, la gente. And what about market share? How much would your uh, product yield, according to you? Um, what the F is market share? That wasn't in the books? Or maybe it was. It was a lot of books. Um. This much. This much market share. <laughs> Did you ever just like dive into one of those spinning things and just be like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you ever gorge your face on the Cheetos? You know, that's what I want to know. <laughs> no, I wish. I mean, they were all, you know, pretend. So they didn't have. Were they all like, pretend? Were they? Yeah. yeah that's funny. So uh, except for the close-ups or, you know, okay, the inserts okay. of them, they didn't really have any Cheetos in them. They were just kind of big circle, circle tubes. <laughs> right. Um, oh, I, yeah. By the way, is, is Frito, are they looking to sponsor any like small independent podcasts? You know, Frito-Lays? I was wondering about that. If they are, I know where to point them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, I don't know. Or Disney Plus for that matter. You know, I'm still trying to be, I'm still trying to get, be a, a spokesperson. I mean, I got Bill, I got, uh, I got James now. I mean, come on. Everything I do is, is Frito-Lay these days. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe you could get some, like, uh, you know, be a spokesperson for insurance because you had uh, Dennis Haysbert on there. And, yeah. and as yeah. soon as I, and I, I guess, you know, I didn't realize who all was in the movie and, and he came on. I was like, Mr. President, you know, because like I, you know, was obsessed with 24 back in yeah. the day and he'll always yep. be my president, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I love his presence. I mean, he, he just, he carries with him such a, almost like a, he's like a pillar. You know, no one can shake him. You know, he's he, very powerful and very yeah. um, calming. Yeah, right? like very, yeah. Just very. His presence is really is remarkable. Yeah, he's wonderful. Okay, what do you want? I want to say that I respect your work, sir. Uh, that, that I respect that you're self-made, an engineer. I want to learn from you. My father ain't worth nothing, but he taught me a lot about fixing stuff as a kid. So I got to think for machines. Like when I learn them and fix them and run them, it makes me feel like, I like I ain't a nobody. Maybe even like I am a somebody. Somebody that gives out respect to people he's barely met. I haven't even earned it. Cause I ain't that kind of somebody. I had no idea who else was gonna be in it either when I got cast. So the, the first read through was, was like, oh, hey, I know you, I know you, I know you. I couldn't have been more delighted 
to see how much screen time you got to share with Tony Shalhoub, who like, I mean, who I've loved since I was a kid, you know, I mean, I Me too. watching wings, you know I mean? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, he's, uh, he was wonderful. He was great. Sir, R&D already has a spicy product in the Midwest and it's testing just fine. Just fine. I aim to do better than just fine, James. Have McCormick send the spicy seasonings here. I have a good feeling about this man. He may not know about market trends, but he knows about people, and that's where I always put my money. Let's see what he can do with it. Sir, the resources required for it to pivot James, quickly. Looks like you have some work to do. Do we want to finish the tour? You know, it's funny. Uh, it looks very normal on screen, but sometimes uh, um, film and TV makeup in person can be kind of jarring. He had very, uh, you know, the very dark hair and then dark colored eyebrows and really like uh, coppery skin with the makeup. And so, you know, it, just, it always threw me when I saw him in person. I was like, whoa. Oh, hey, Tony. When we were watching it, I, I told my wife, I said, they gave him Casey Kasem hair. Yeah, that's exactly. We all joked that he was he looks exactly like Casey Kasem. And then he would do the voice. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he was he was wonderful, and and oh, ditto me too. I had I had the makeup, and I had the um, comb over, which was a wig. <laughs> I, I was wondering, I was wondering about the comb over. I noticed it. I was like, oh man, he's, he has those those kind of those pathetic looking strands, you know, it's like the, the world's uh, tiniest wig. I'm gonna do something that's probably gonna not be very good, but um, uh, there's a there's a oh, there's, oh yeah, <laughs> of, that's great. Of the wig. Classic. It took an hour to glue on my head. <laughs> That's like you're like you're in the Marvel universe by that point, by by that kind of makeup work. Yeah, geez Louise. <laughs> it's like you guys could have given me uh, give me a month, I would have grown it. <laughs> so you know, Chris was talking about your character. Like, how do you like yes. how did you approach preparing for like, I mean, because you're basically your motivation in this movie, I have to imagine, is just a guy who has to crush dreams. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, but it but it but um Crushing somebody else's dreams is the tactic I use to perpetuate my own, uh, you know, c CEOs, people at the top or um, directors of, of, of marketing, which is what James Finley was. I don't know if that's just a specific title. I've, I've forgotten at this point, but people at the top, they're very short shelf lives in almost any industry. So it, it always is a fight. Everywhere I looked, all the, the research I did of these folks, and I know a couple of people who, who have uh jobs like that very high in the totem pole with the uh, the hierarchy so to speak they're constantly fighting for their own jobs for their own livelihoods whether or not uh, they're really at risk like it's a it's just it's a, a paranoia and so i approach james in, in the same way which is like he needs to be the one who has the right answers, who makes the right moves, who who has makes the good business decisions, who has the good ideas, because if somebody else has it, then he's afraid that he's just going to get replaced and he's going to lose everything because he's not the face of, you know, PepsiCo or Frito-Lay. That's um, Tony. I forgot the character's name. Enrico. <laughs> Enrico. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Enrico. That's right. So in the beginning, it was less about putting down Richard Montañez and more about protecting himself. And then I think as it progressed and as it became clear that Richard and the Flamin' Hot brand was a really, you know, a good idea, I think then it became a little bit more vindictive and a little bit a little bit more personal and less about saving his own butt and more about 
trying to knock him down a peg. Gotcha. So that's why in the beginning, it's just there's the outrage to even finding out that this guy even got on the phone. Listen, Richard, I can't stop thinking about your initiative. And I'm coming to Rancho Cucamonga for a plant tour. What do you say I meet you there and you tell me more about your ideas? In about two weeks. Would that be okay with you? Yes, sir. More than okay. Good. We'll be in touch. Who the hell is this Richard Martinez? And don't let him call Roger freaking Enrico! Get him on the phone! Okay, I don't know who that is. What do you mean you don't know the guy? He works in your plant! Find him! Montanez? Montanez! Yeah, like, who is this guy who actually, like, you know how long it took me to get him on the phone? Like, he still doesn't take my calls. And 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 this guy just, like, is janitor called up? Like, who the heck is this guy? Yeah. Also, I had no idea that that specific sequence, by the way, when everyone is yelling, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Uh, there's, like, a quick, uh, you know, people on the phone sequence. And I had no idea what that was going to be like. So I was having, <laughs> when Ava asked me to just scream it, I was like, well, why? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, but now I get it. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, the movie was surprisingly complicated, clever, and you played a part in one of the more interesting aspects of the film, which is it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit and it plays around around with reality because it is told in first person, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Richard Montañez's character. And so all of a sudden, you know, it's a boardroom and you're speaking in like his local, you know, regional dialect is, you know, his, his Mexican American dialect. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden he kind of, he puts the brakes on it and he's like, okay, well maybe it didn't exactly happen that way. And it's just, <laughs> it, it's very funny. It's like, it, it was, it was surprising and it happened a couple of times and I really enjoyed the, that aspect of it. The corporate suite at Frito-Lay felt like gangsters throwing down in a drug den. Cause let's be real. That's pretty much what C-Sweeters are. Gangsters with money. Enrico was pissed. He was like, you pendejos around here telling me these little punks like Nabisco and Eagle Snacks are getting more feria than us? Fighting up our territory and use the stupidos okay with that? And this cavacho was all, nah, big homie, we still got the good stuff. Cheetos, fritos, doritos. People still dishing out lana for the classics, bro. Then the big homie laid it down, and he was like, Sabiske, for how long? Because we ain't got time, little puppy. What? You need a Cholo translator? All right, I got you. Some sales are down. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what it right now looks like. Yeah, those, uh, so the sequences, where uh, the sort of the fantasy cholo sequences were so, were so were so much fun, in which uh, you know Richard recounts what happens in the boardroom in his own way, and and then he says, no, no, this is how it really went. Um, they were a blast. What what happened was uh, Jesse uh, Garcia, who played Richard, he recorded them first. So while we were filming the scenes, we had the audio playing, so we could we could match our mouths to his words, and and we had the script so that we could memorize what he's saying and and you know do it that way <laughs> it was, yeah it's just like it was a lot of like not being not being sure if we should go this far and then ava saying you are not going nearly far enough like push it like like really because it's it, it's not um it's not you know making fun of you know the the hispanic culture it's not it's 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 it's, it's the opposite of him sort of making fun 
of of these white guys in the boardroom or whatever. So uh, it, you know, we had um, we had a lot of fun with it, and and Ava was great at at helping us get to where we needed to go. Um, there were some challenges of of uh, of matching the words, you know, precisely. I think we all three of us had uh, the moments where we just some sort of mental block but it was it was great and it was it was really fun to to do that in in such a proper setting you know like in a boardroom or this really fancy office throwing paper and, and getting strangled with a phone cord um it was just wild it was just it was it was uh it was my favorite kind of acting which is which is just playing yeah it was it was a lot of fun yeah, and maybe you can just uh, you can reflect on uh, Ava Longoria's you know directing, and I we you know we noticed it's mm -hmm. her first movie, and yeah, you know I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't my thing really. I loved it. it. Really cool. <laughs> you, you loved it. Yeah, it's funny. I it's loved funny. it. I saw the first. Uh, actually, Owen it was back when in order to watch you know whole seasons of TV, you had to buy the DVD box sets, and at the time I was um, I had a job. Uh, we don't need to get into it, but it was, I had a lot of downtime. And so I, I watched a lot of TV. So I got like the first three seasons of Desperate Housewives. It was That's how we watched Lost. So it was right yeah. in that era. Yep. And maybe the movie, one of the things I would say that makes it unique is it's truly a dramedy, you know, it is certainly mm -hmm. a drama, but it's also certainly a comedy. And I think yeah. that, I think Hollywood is kind of missing a lot of those types of films, right? It's, it's playful enough that you're going to go, Oh, this is for fun. Right. You know, yeah. so I, I love that. Can you speak to any of that in the, the mood of, of Ava Longoria's approach to the film itself? Absolutely. First of all, Ava um, is incredible. She was a wonderful, wonderful director. You know, a lot of times, uh, understandably so uh, new directors will be more focused on the technical aspects like really wanting to make sure they have a handle on, you know, what the what the camera sees, what the lighting is going to be like, how it's going to match, you know, just trying to keep keep their, their brains wrapped around the technical aspects of filmmaking. But she, I mean, she's had such a long uh, and storied career and she's been in the business for so long that um, I, I think it helped her not be as concerned with those things or at least as anxious about those things because she was really invested in the acting. As an actor herself, she had, you know, she had the the right language to 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 get across, you know, her ideas or to 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 talk to to us about, you know, what we're what we're thinking and different things we can try. And and it was it was really uh, it was really a warm, welcoming uh, environment where where just you felt safe to just play around and, and try things. And um, yeah, she was, she's great. I, I hope, I hope that she continues to, to, to direct because um, she's really got an eye for it. And what you said uh, about the tone of the film is incredible. It's incredible because it is a really, um, it's a really delicate tone. It's a, it's a really fine line you walk between the drama and the comedy and the high concept of the, you know, the fantasy sequences and the the realism of you know the scenes with the family or even in the factory it's like it's it's it was one of those things while we were filming and while i read it that i was like this this movie is going to either be really great or it's going to be a mess because it's got to be so difficult to find that line and she does it she does it perfectly i mean with help of course with uh with everybody with the photographer the uh, music and the lighting and, and i think it's uh the color is vibrant which helps the the energy that the editing is is good because it's um it's very balanced 
uh you have the quick stuff and then you have the slow stuff but it never feels jarring it always flows real well into each other and the music is wonderful and the, the high energy um acting all, all worked to to bring this into like a really cohesive story that never felt like it was bouncing all over the place in terms of genre or or tone it was just really elegantly done i was i was um i was really happy with that yeah well, it's a movie about snacks, and we want to talk <laughs> snacks with you in a moment. But I, I just want to ask you first, because anytime I'm watching something that was filmed in Albuquerque, I, I love it because I love Albuquerque so much. And I'm always looking to see if I recognize any place. Um, was it all location shooting? So there's this really cool, it's funny, there's um, there's a cool new, I don't even, I don't even know if it has a name right now, but it's basically a, a studio space, soundstage, uh, and it's... Um, I think it's called the Journal Center, maybe Journal Center Studios or something. But it's it's where it's where the old Albuquerque Journal newspaper used to be made, a big warehouse and their offices. And that's where I filmed everything I filmed was was done there. Oh, cool. The the Frito factory was actually part of the factory where they they printed newspapers. And um actually in the Better Call Saul finale, when we are uh marching down the hallway to go see to go to the uh, uh, negotiation with betsy brandt in there uh, we're walking down the hallway and that hallway is literally right outside the frito factory it was the same building <laughs> and, and in fact our our green room where our our chairs were to rest while we were doing the hallway scene and better call Saul, that was right where we were filming <laughs> oh cool <laughs> frito stuff that was just a little a little connection i filmed those like it was very close together it seemed like, like within months of each other so that was fun but um yeah so everything that i worked on was filmed right there on on location well, i don't know if you call that on location because it's also a sound stage now and then we used the offices the old albuquerque journal offices where where the boardroom offices and and and, and that big staircase at the end that was all there uh they filmed a lot right there in that building or in that, that series of buildings but but yeah, I love it. I love I love seeing New Mexico and Albuquerque specifically on screen. It's 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 wonderful. There's so much character here. There's just there's so much uh, that you can do here. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think a lot of folks just think of us and think of you know Breaking Bad, and how it's just sort of hot and and desolate and 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 dirty and run down and you know places where you can buy meth. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> There, it's it's a really versatile uh, place. There's there's just about everything. A lot of culture. Yeah. Well, speaking of snacks, um, yeah. no, <laughs> we like to do when we have a guest on a segment called nostalgic obsessions, and yes. today we're going to do something unique. It's the nostalgic obsessions snack edition. Yes. So here we go. Yeah, we got our we got our uh, flaming hot. Uh, I've, I've got Doritos. I got my flaming hot burritos. Oh, I think Bill would approve. And I have flaming hot barbecue ruffles. Nice. We have everything but flaming hot Cheetos. It's true. I thought I'd go with uh, Fritos for uh, a little nod to Mr. Oakley. How are your guys's? They're good. You know, I decided to go with the Doritos because they were significantly less expensive than the Cheetos. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go with the sale price. That's good. <laughs> That's good. No. I like uh, I like Doritos. My ruffles are indeed flaming hot. You know what? No. These are not very hot. 
I'm very sensitive. <laughs> I don't think they're very hot. Like I, I I'm, I'm oh. trying to do a lot more uh, hot sauces. Um, I love the show Hot Ones, and so it's really gotten me, me into the hot sauce. I could never do it though. I, I so desperately want to be on that show. Uh, <laughs> I know I'll never be famous enough, but uh, oh, it's a wonderful show. I love it so much. I haven't really eaten flaming hot in years, and I'm thinking, doesn't it build gradually? It gets hotter yes. the more you eat them. <laughs> yeah. I'm discovering that right as we speak. <laughs> it just kind of clings to the back of the throat. <laughs> oh, well, they're good. So we have a series of questions that are snack-based, food-based, but also nostalgia-based. Yeah. So we kind of, we want to jump into, dive into our own childhoods a little bit, you know, raised growing up. So, so Peter, we want to hear your answers. And then Joe and I, we're going to, we're going to riff a little bit too. We have, we have some, some fun answers of our own. Yeah, let's do it. It is getting hot on my end. <laughs> yeah, I got to take a break. <laughs> so I'm so weak. <laughs> so our first question. Yes. What was your favorite family meal or weirdest family meal when you were growing up? Just in general? In general, yeah. Okay. So my mom fancied herself a, a bit of a cook and she made a few good things, but um uh, I mean, a, a bunch of good things, of course. But the thing, the, the, the what I loved the most was something called chicken cacciatore that she made, which was like chicken and red sauce and on white rice. And I come to find out in, 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 as I grew up that uh, that it really wasn't chicken cacciatore, <laughs> specifically chicken cacciatore. It was it was sort of a, a home style version. But um, God, I, I love that. I always always ask for that. And then when we went out. There's this place called, I don't know if it's still around in Olympia, where I grew up, called Dirty Dave's Pizza. And um, it had like arcade games and stuff. We would get a big pizza with, um, I don't know why, we got pepperoni and cashews. I've never had cashews on a pizza before or since, but that was what we did. And it was normal to me. (laughs) I've never heard of that. That's a first. It's a new one to me, too. But it was so good. I'll have to try it again someday. The Dirty Daves. What about you guys? I think I have three answers, and I'll try to be, I'll be relatively quick. One is I have this memory of my mom making salmon patties. Did you guys ever have salmon patties growing up? Or a yeah. lot of salmon growing up in Washington State. Yeah, not patties, though. Well, see, I, I can't remember. It's almost kind of like maybe like a meatloaf where they put some like breadcrumbs in there and they, they fashion it into a patty. It's usually mm-hmm. salmon in a can. And I just remember hating those salmon patties so much. And I love salmon. So as an adult, I come to love salmon. And I think a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to make salmon patties. Maybe I'm an adult now. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to finally enjoy this. And it was like, no, I hate salmon patties. They're so gross. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's my first one. My second one is you said, you said your mom's chicken cacciatore. Mm -hmm. My mom made a great chicken and dumplings. And she made these big, massive dumplings like dumpling soup and that was probably like the my favorite thing that she ever made mm-hmm. and so that was good i have a similar similar thing good. there and then my last thing this might be this one might be kind of weird my dad was a mushroom hunter and not not, not the crazy kind but like the wild mushrooms they're they're called moral mor- morel mm-hmm. mushrooms and uh, he would go hunting every every spring and there would be this big massive feast of fried mushrooms at my grandma's house and so i just always remember that it's kind of like great. a distinct thing, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. What about you, Joe? All right, I got a few of them, too. So 
when I was about seven years old, my parents and I moved in with my grandparents in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so we had a very, very big Italian family. It was my dad's side was Italian. And it was us living with them, but all of my cousins and aunts and uncles were over constantly. So it was like this huge house packed with people and a lot of food. And my favorite thing growing up on a regular basis, like multiple times a week, was just my my grandmother's pasta. You know, just uh, she made the sauce and we did spaghetti a lot, but we'd also do rigatoni, which in our house we just called flat tires. And so flat tires with meatballs and sausage would be my favorite. Nice. She would make it with like pork ribs occasionally. And I was always disappointed when it was made with the pork. <laughs> but no. a couple times a year, we got crabs. Like, you know, just go to the seafood department or, or somewhere and, and just bring home a ton of crabs. And there's something about spaghetti sauce when it's cooked with crabs, like the the flavor just completely it turns into its own thing. And we would only do that like once or maybe twice a year. And I haven't had it probably in, it's probably been 25 years since I've had it. And oh my goodness, that that once or twice a year was my absolute favorite meal of the year. The weird, as far as weirdest goes, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we had anything particularly weird, but um, because it was an Italian family, we did like the seven fishes thing on Christmas, and squid was involved. So, I mean, there, <laughs> there was occasional squid in my house, which I guess is kind of weird, but maybe not to some yeah, people. Calamari, but, it's good. Yeah, but it, we didn't. But it wasn't calamari. Calamari is great. It was like, I mean, you could see the tentacles. It was really gross. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Uh, question number two. What was your favorite after school snack that you would make for yourself? What You know, what's that one thing? You come home, you're tired, you're a little bit cranky. You want to you put on some TV? You mm-hmm. make this snack for yourself. Man. So we didn't have a lot of like snack foods growing up. For whatever reason, it was sort of like, uh, you know, what the 80s, late 80s, it was like when the health food craze had just started. Like, all of a sudden, there was a lot of low fat and, and non fat. And uh, and my dad was super into it. But we we, would, we did have uh, some things. He always kept a box of ding dongs, hostess ding dongs, ones that look like a hockey puck. Um, so I would have uh, I would have a ding dong and um, some sort of microwavable. This is more like like high school, like late junior high, like a bagel bites or a hot pocket or um, um, my favorite were uh, I forget what they were called, but essentially pigs in a blanket, little sausages with like with like croissant rolls wrapped around it or um, ramen, <laughs> either a cup of noodles or what I would do with, with, with a with a regular ramen bag. They can still get a stores is you just uh, you, you, you crush it up. You open it, you dump in the the seasoning, you shake it, and you just eat it like popcorn. I used to love that. Nothing too wild, that's but that's great. I like that. I like that. I've never done the popcorn ramen thing. Yeah. Now, see, my after school snack is I, I consider myself a chef, and uh, yeah. what I would do. I mean, this is this is pretty genius. What I'm going to tell you, you guys are all going to like go go off and try this. Is you take some American cheese. And a, a flour tortilla, put it in the microwave for 30 seconds, roll that puppy up, 
you got yourself the perfect snack. So, so my mom, she didn't buy anything. Like I, I didn't get bagel bites. I didn't get any of this fancy stuff. So guess what? I had to scrounge. I was like, okay, there, you know, there's a few slices of American cheese left. I'm, I'm going to make myself a, you know, a, a cheesy masterpiece here. So that, that's, that was kind of my go-to every time. Nice. That's great. <laughs> about you joe you know i was struggling to remember like what did i and the the only things that came to mind was we always had about like two feet of pepperoni in our fridge like at (laughs) all times like just the pepperoni sticks and so i have many a memory of just just going and grabbing a a, the stick of pepperoni out like cutting off a like a you know like a three inch chunk of pepperoni and just gnawing at it like like an animal was it like it was like a hillshire farms thing I remember going in there in the mall and just Bridgeford, I think might have been the brand. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember yeah. you, you see them like you'll see them in grocery stores and, but like, but they would get them like at like, like warehouse stores, like, you know, like kind of like Sam's, but like yeah. <laughs> sausage warehouse. They were these just gigantic sticks of pepperoni that wouldn't fit in the <laughs> fridge and they would cut them in half and like, you know, shove them in there. So it was, I remember just, you know, cutting myself huge chunks of pepperoni and eating it. And the other thing, and I, I I think back on this now, and I don't even know if this is like, if you should do this or not, but I used to microwave eggs, like just crack a couple eggs and stick it in the microwave. It seemed like poach them. Yeah. Yeah. That, and mm-hmm. so I microwave an egg occasionally. Nice. I, and I, to me, I thought I was cooking. Well, heck yeah, you are. <laughs> we're, we're, we are a regular Michelin Three-star oh restaurant here. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch yeah. of quiz, quiz, cuisinists. <laughs> Foodies. Okay. okay. <laughs> what was your favorite candy or candies growing up, or maybe a weird candy that you would buy? I, didn't, I don't think I had any weird candies, at least that I know about. But um, I d- definitely used to do the thing where, you know, my best friend Adam and I, we would hang out after school or over the summer breaks at each other's houses and then at some point we would pool whatever money we could find and walk down to the corner store like the gas station we just get as much candy as we could and uh one thing we always got was was uh laffy taffies um they were, they were very they were very big right then like uh, there was like the little ones and you get the ropes and there was all different kinds come on you slackers more jokes new laffy taffy's gotta be loaded with laughs Seven chewy fruity flavors, tropical passion punch, mouth water and sour rubber, and a hilarious joke on every wrapper. Okay, what kind of shoes do bananas wear? Well, skinhead, slippers. I don't get it. You <laughs> laffy taffy, who says you can't laugh with your mouth full? You're despicable. And then also right about that time, um, crybabies. We're, we're big. They're, they're like gumballs, but like super duper sour. And um, it, was one of the, it was one of those things that just pops up in school. And all of a sudden, like everybody in school had them or wanted them or were trading them or selling them. And then they were available like at the school store or something. So I remember crybabies were a huge thing. Maybe that's a weird one. I don't know. I think it's pretty normal. It's kind of like a warhead, but it's uh, um, uh, gum. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Laffy Taffy's uh, milk duds have always been have always been the uh, favorite of mine. Although I probably shouldn't eat them anymore; I'll lose my teeth. I keep trying to eat the candy that I loved as a kid, and I keep losing crowns. So I think it's time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, I, I would say hands down for me, the Skittles were my favorite, still mm. my favorite. I don't know. There's just something. So, I mean, taste the rainbow, you know? What is real? Is that for real? That can't be real. <laughs> what about her? Is she for real? Well, what is real? This is real. Skittles. Tart and tangy. Wildberry. Tropical. Real fun. Real good. With real fruit juices. Skittles. Bite-sized candy. <laughs> and I, I like the, the berry-flavored ones maybe the most, but I'll just I just like Skittles. But I think maybe what I wanted to talk about was when kids would get weird candy, like they would get cigarettes, the candy cigarettes. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about those. <laughs> yeah. I've had plenty of those. Or wax lips. And the thing that I think that's funniest about them is the novelty wears off really quickly because you're like, this this is nasty. Like, what what have I done? I've I've wasted the two dollars I had, you know, like there was nothing appealing about it other than just the, you know, the, the novelty, the shock factor of it. You know, you're impressing mm. your friends and then you're like, well, now what do I do? I have to eat the rest of these candied cigarettes that taste horrible right wax lips i never got the wax lips who gets wax lips i I remember kids getting these things it's like eating you know baby bell casings like it was just it was just wax (laughs) like are you supposed to eat it they're supposed to ingest it or just play with there were those little wax soda (laughs) bottles do you remember those you could could bite them and then then drink whatever like nasty juice was inside it and then it's just a wax Mm -hmm. bottle left oh my god i forgot about these things that's why that's why i need you guys oh my gosh yeah yeah. And so, yeah, it's just like, what what are we doing here? What, you know, we only have so much money. So, so anyway, th- I just remember those, those kind of funny. Things. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought at all about the candy cigarettes. And that reminded me that uh, I, <laughs> we, we uh, used to go down to the ocean city boardwalk when I was a kid and they sold black licorice. And I think also red licorice pipes like they just looked like a little like a like a pipe, but it's just licorice. I love those things. There you so go. weird. Um, <laughs> so for me, I, you know, like my favorites were probably your your Skittles, like you said, or Starburst. I love Starburst. Um, I'm I'm convinced that the red and pink ones tasted better than the rest. But I'm going to focus on the two candies that to this day I they still make me nauseous if I look at them. And they were uh, Charleston Chew what? and Bit O Honey, and I have a reason for it because they're not typically candies that I don't. I think any kids would go out and buy. But uh, I remember, you know, in the early '90s, you remember when like there was like a major boom on like comic books. We were all buying comic books, and we all thought that they were going to make us rich someday because they were all going to be worth a million dollars, and yeah. none of them were. <laughs> but I remember buying a boatload of Charleston Chew to send in the wrappers to get like, it was like a Captain America comic book or something. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't like Charleston Chew to begin with. And I just kept forcing myself to eat these things. And I've not, I've not eaten a Charleston Chew since I was like 11 years old. Like I just, I look at them now, if I see one, I go, Oh, that's too bad. They're so good. uh, So you like the Charleston Chews. I do. Do you? I do can't do it <laughs> and the bit of honey is worse uh because the for the the bit of honeys like i don't even know what was going on here i i need to like call my dad up and ask him but i think i was in cub scouts and you know you know you'd sell candy for fundraisers 
Like yeah. somebody somewhere in this thing got cases and cases of bit oh honeys that they thought it would be a good idea to get us to sell. <laughs> and try unloading a case of bit of honey. No, uh, I can't. <laughs> so what ends up happening, I think it was so I could go to like summer camp. And so my parents just ended up buying like like 10 cases of these things. And they weren't little ones. They were like the big bit of honey. And then they stuck them all in our basement freezer. And we had them for years. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a teenager and there's frozen old bit of honey down there. And it's like, there's nothing sweet in the house, but you can go get a bit of honey. And it was just like, <laughs> can't do it. I, I still have nightmares. I don't blame you. That's <laughs> awful. That's terrible. Both of those are terrible <laughs> stories. <laughs> okay. Uh, next one. Question four is uh, what's your favorite crunchy or salty snack? Could be both there. Again, maybe growing up. Hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. I um I really liked a lot of these things are they're not they're not very exciting because they're still around today, but I really liked um Cheez Its. Just haven't had them in a long time. My mom was obsessed with. Uh, speaking of of uh, Doritos and Fritos, my mom my mom really liked uh, Cool Ranch Doritos. Who um, buys those? <laughs> my mom. <laughs> I, I never I never got into it. I, I was quoting the movie. I know. <laughs> yeah, which which my my wife. That's her. That's like her kryptonite. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a very specific taste. So if you like it, I mean, then you then you like it. Um, but maybe I just had too much of it when I was growing up. But um, uh, for me, the the big crunchy, uh, not salty, but the big crunchy for me was was cereal, whether dry or or with mm. uh, with milk. And growing up, I really loved. It turns out I really liked anything that sort of mildly tasted like Captain Crunch. So I really liked Captain Crunch. I really liked uh, the Mr. T cereal. I know Pooh and Koo's teaming up with a good balanced breakfast. Teaming up with Mr. T cereal. It's getting on the team, the team that knows how cool breakfast can be. You get a crispy corn taste with a touch of brown sugar. Teaming up with Mr. T. It's cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. Golden sweet crispy teas. One bite and you're gonna be eating with the team that's teaming up with Mr. T. It's cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. And uh, the Batman cereal, when when Batman 89 came out. I feel like we talked about that a while we, back. We did. That's the one that came with the bank. Yeah. 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 The adventure continues now with Batman, the cereal. And nothing can slow him down. Nothing can stop him from bringing it to you. It's here. A smashing taste. A honey nut flavor part of your complete breakfast. Batman cereal. They all they all were sort of just like ripoffs of Captain Crunch. Um, but I love it. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So you know what's funny is I'm gonna say one that's made out of the exact same substance. It's cornmeal, right? I mean, how many, mm-hmm. how much of our stuff is just filled with corn? So my go-to is just plain old the crunchy Cheetos. I mean, I mean, what can be more satisfying or addictive than those? So you think you can run the Cheetos business, Mr. Cheeto? Just a cheetah. Yes, Mr. Cheetah. We're looking for someone who can take the reins of this cheesedom. Someone who can fully appreciate these savory morsels. These delicious treasure throws of cheese. Cheetos. 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 Cheetos.
Cheetos, the cheese that goes. Wait till he hears about no Cheetos cheesy checkers. <laughs> uh, I really like those. But I did want to give a shout out to, I think what's interesting is maybe more localized brands where, wherever we grew up. And mm-hmm. there was this company that was pretty close to us called Kitchen Cooked Potatoes, uh, Potato Chips. And they've since been bought out and I think they ran out of business. But, but you know, you know, before people really got into the, uh, what were they, like the kettle chips, you know, uh-huh. uh, this was like a brand that was like, they just tasted homemade. It was so good. They were called Kitchen Cooked and stuff. So shout out to them and the death of that yeah. industry. <laughs> there was, uh, there's one uh, in, in where I grew up, uh, the same thing, uh, Tim Cask- Tim's Cascade Chips. They're the real crunchy kettle brand. We used yeah. to get those all the time. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Mine are pretty standard boring still around ones today but like when i was a kid i was obsessed with uh the pizza flavored combos since combos has an oven baked crust filled with real pizza spices other snacks aren't so fulfilling pepperoni pizza combos see why combos taste better yeah, <laughs> and uh, and regular Doritos. I was never a Cool Ranch guy, but I did. I could put away a bag of regular Doritos. But uh, yeah, me too. Regular. Talking about what your mom uh, being obsessed with Cool Ranch Doritos. My mom, it was pork rinds. My mom loved pork rinds. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> Which, I mean, I haven't had one in years, but they weren't as terrible as they they should have been. But you know. Yeah. never a snack that i've gravitated towards no. just the whole idea of it yeah uh do you have time for one more question yeah let's do one more all right what is a snack food or snack foods that you remember good or bad that they no longer make they don't exist anymore you can't get them oh you know well for a long time it was uh ecto cooler um but but they but it came back with you know. Uh, Wait, what what is that stuff? Things. Is that like a like a Kool Aid or it's like that? that they have... those high seas Ghostbusters okay. drink. Yeah. Okay. Gotta, yeah, that's hilarious. Okay. We got a picture of it. That's the stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This summer, coming to a supermarket near you, there's going to be a great new high sea flavor with an outrageous food taste. And what are we going to call it? Ecto-Cooler. High C Ecto-Cooler. Slimer's new food drink. You've been warned. It was essentially orange, but there's something else in it. I don't know what. It's probably something very simple, like vanilla or something. But it was very tasty. I liked that for a while, and then it disappeared. Uh, but it has it has since come back. And there was something else. I just uh, was on this website, and they were called... I don't think they make them anymore. They're called fruit wrinkles. And they were like half, it was like, um, it was basically like roll up, like fruit roll ups, but in like little nugget, like almost raisin shaped. And the idea was that they looked like little wrinkled fruits. It's just a dumb idea. I'm sorry uh, to that brand, whoever you are. But, um, <laughs> but they tasted great. And, and for some reason, my family would buy those. So I would eat those a lot. But I don't think yeah. they exist anymore. 
You you just just like your character in the movie, you just crush the dreams of the of the whoever developed that. Yeah. No, <laughs> my friend. The look is weird. The taste is wonderful. Okay, there you go. You have potential. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad idea executed well. Yeah. A good recipe weirdly made. <laughs> For mine, I wanted to mention, uh, Peter, you said you're, you know, the health craze of kind of like the 80s. Yeah. One of my one of my funny memories is my mom carting me around to health food stores. Mm-hmm. And those were my snacks because they were like the approved snacks. And so yeah. th- that's what's kind of funny to me. Grape nuts and all those all those. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Cereals and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in the in the bulk section, you're scooping yeah. out big bulks of cereal and oats and all that yeah. stuff. A, a weird one is my mom. I don't know where these really came from, how they came to be, but they look like chocolate, but they're carob chips. Did you ever have yeah. carob chips? Yeah. And I actually liked them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I I didn't just personally didn't didn't prefer them, but yeah, we used to get those a lot. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Um, and then the last the last thing that I can think of is my, my mom, used, she used to sell a, a brand of vitamins and cleaners and like health products called Shackley. OK, you ever heard of Shackley it was like this. No, company. But my, my dad and stepmom did uh, did something similar. I forget Amway. I think it was what it was. Oh, Amway. Yeah. yeah. All those pyramids. And so my mom would always have we called them energy bars. And it was like. I feel like I got in on the whole protein energy bar thing, like, you know, from, from early on, you know, she was always feeding me these. Here you go. Here you go. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That's great. I think health food in our house growing up was washing down pork rinds with slim fast. It was (laughs) followed by a bit of honey. Yeah. But with, you know, with a bit of honey for dessert. No, we, I do remember my mom going on slim fast kicks a lot and having the cases of it. That was me, Tommy Lasorda, before I lost 30 pounds in three months on the ultra slim fast plan. It's even easier to have my shake because ultra slim fast comes ready to drink in cans. Losing weight has never been so convenient. Wherever I am, I can have my shake. Ah, icy cold and delicious. Who says you can't take it with you? Ultra Slim Fast. Give us a week. We'll take off the weight. Oh, and I gosh. Oh, this just brought back a great memory. I was, I remember being at a Phillies game one time and the Philly fanatic was smashing cans of Slim Fast out on the field and Tommy Lasorda came out of the dugout and chased him. It was, it was, it was quite a thing to behold. But uh, there, there were a few things that I remember like, that you can't get anymore. And and the big one is probably there. There, Well, there was, does anybody remember Oreo big stuff? Yeah, I do. Mr. Big stuff. Introducing Oreo big stuff. Who do you think you are? Oreo big stuff. Oreo big stuff. Who do you think you are? New Oreo big stuff. More chocolate, more cream. You're big and satisfying. Taking you with me all the time. Oreo big stuff. Yeah, it was like a gigantic Oreo cookie, and they weren't very good. No. <laughs> but the idea of a big Oreo was was great. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the other one was the uh, I, I used to buy the Hostess pies that had vanilla pudding inside of them. Me too. Yeah, that was what I was gonna say. Yeah, the, the frosted pies. Yeah, vanilla and chocolate. Oh, they're so good. That's the thing. They were good. 
but they were really rich. And so like you get through half of one and it was like, I could never finish one, but I still kind of miss those. They were so big back then too. They were were like huge compared to now. Now they're like little, little half moons that are like the size of your palm, but they they used to be really big. And the other thing, because apparently we, when we were growing up, for some reason, we (laughs) ended up with food in bulk at different times. Uh, like mm-hmm. our our of honeys we had my dad worked at uh he was a truck driver and they would like if there like were cases that were damaged they would sell them to them cheap and at some point my dad got cases and cases of this cereal that was only out for like three years it was called uh circus fun <laughs> It's circus fun, right in your bowl, and you're gonna wanna come flying. For horses and hoops, balls and bears, elephants and lions. Huh? Horses, hoops, balls, bears, elephants and lions. Wow. New circus fun cereal, crunchy red hoops, speckled balls, and many marshmallow animals. Circus fun, a spectacular part of this complete breakfast. New circus fun cereal. And it was circus fun. I think it was like a General Mills cereal. But it was like, you know, lions and tigers. They were, they were, it was like yeah. it was like Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms rolled into one. And they were in a black box. And it was with a bunch of colorful circus stuff on it. And we ate them for like two years. <laughs> but they don't make it anymore. And that's another one I'm kind of glad they don't. Oh, my gosh. Probably found out it toxic or something yeah probably they they needed they need to do away with bit of honey too <laughs> yeah I, I can get behind that sorry bit of honey brand well hey man thank you so much for doing this with us uh yeah. congratulations the movie is great man really oh, enjoyed it yeah i'm really excited about it yeah. yeah we appreciate you taking the time and whether you find yourself in a whole bunch of roles here soon or you're going to be on strike again we really do wish you well we we do thank hope you. to see you uh, sometime on screen again soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know if uh, that movie uh, Maggie Moore's is going to be on any streaming services right now? It's seven dollars on uh, on my Amazon. Yeah, I, I assume I assume it will be uh, sooner than later. But yeah, I have a, I have a blink and you miss it one liner in that one. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what it is? Yeah. You're wondering. Yeah, yeah, it's fun though. It's a fun show. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, thank Excellent. you guys so much. It's been yeah, have wonderful a good one. talking to you and catching up. Let's do this again next year. Hey, take care. Yeah. All right, thanks, yeah, guys. Bye-bye. Well, thanks again to Peter Dyseth. And again, you can you can watch Flaming Hot on Disney Plus or on Hulu. And Joe, I have to say, my my fingers are thoroughly red. I've become immersed in flaming hot uh, in the midst of all this uh, talking with Peter Dyseth. <laughs> I, I can see the red fingertips like through the zoom. It's like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> I, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to I have to call you out, though, Chris, because I, I don't know if this maybe this is a Midwestern thing, but I caught the hard G there, the flaming hot, but it's flame in the hot. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I can't, I can't, I don't even know what to say. You're right. I, I guess I'm, I'm more proper than I, than I, you know, than I let on. <laughs> Go see the flaming heart. Yes. <laughs> these fried tortillas. Yes. Yes. Uh, I can, I can see these as a, a gourmet snack. <laughs> but uh, I saw, I, I, I almost, well, I was torn. I settled on the flaming hot barbecue ruffles, 
but I almost got Chester's, uh, I think it was Chester's fries, flaming yep. hot fries. I almost got those the other day, but uh, I, I, the, uh, the ruffles like you, I went for what was on sale. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we invite everyone to, to check out the movie. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about what we have coming up on our next episode. Uh, and you know what's interesting about this is it relates to something you said at the beginning of the episode and also that we talked about during our interview, which is the the Writers Guild and potentially the, the Screen Actors Guild strikes, which is, one, what do we do when TV shuts down? <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, what choices are left of us? Does it really even matter? And I think one of the things that we want to talk about in, in the upcoming episode is, well, there's a whole lot of older shows that we can revisit where we are a nostalgia podcast after all. And I am not too worried about there not being new content for us to watch, uh, especially since I struggle with liking a lot of new television shows. I'm, I think I'm just getting to be old. I just, I'm getting sick of new stuff. There's too much stuff out there. And uh, we have a few newer television shows that we really want to, in particular, we want to harp on. We kind of go, you know what? I, what is what is up with these shows? They're not worth our time. I'm going to watch something old. You're turning into Grandpa Simpson. You just want to watch your Matlock and yeah, it's two o'clock. Matlock's on, right? So, <laughs> so you know, and and I have been watching a lot of Simpsons lately. Uh, you know, an older show that I grew up with. Us too. Us too. My son and I've been watching it every day and loving it. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about that conflict of do we watch new shows and of course we support new shows of course we support new stuff coming out but what do we do when we get frustrated like what is actually worth our time and then this conflicting question of what happens when we hate a show right and like what you know what does that mean especially when people tend to really like a show and and say it's one of the you know most innovative uh, you know it's a classic show oh it's amazing and i watch it and i go i don't, I don't you know I'm totally turned off by it. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. What, what does it mean to watch bad TV? And because, by the way, I think we're hypocrites, Joe. We grew up on a lot of bad TV. We grew up on some terrible TV that, that has this like the, there are shows that were truly awful that have like a really special place in our hearts. Yeah. And so we're totally hypocrites. But again, maybe this just is it's just par for the course. It's, it's part of becoming that cranky old man. That's and right. just thinking of everything that we grew up with is better than everything else. Yeah. That... David Hasselhoff, right? I mean, probably the greatest actor of all time. I mean, Knight Rider, Baywatch. I mean, why would anybody ever say anything against him? Baywatch Knights. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So please, I mean, when I say bad TV, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. That, that was classic television. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Airwolf. Which was, was I missed was, that one. It was Night Rider, but instead it was a helicopter. I think. That was, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I missed that one. Oh man. So that's what we have coming up. So we are looking forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Future Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at nostalgicfuturepodcast at gmail We may just read your letter on an upcoming show. Follow us on social media, Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, and at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review to help support what we do. Until next time, remember, 
The past is the only way forward. Doritos is dropping flaming hot? Whoa, I'ma need a minute. Come on, Doritos, you can't rep the flaming hot name. Watch your step, I'm the OG in the snack game. You claim triangle, I made you square. You had to borrow my heat just to make the world care. You got celebs and a remix song. But like a bag of Cheetos, it won't last long. So next time you try to take what I got, remember, I'm flaming hot and you're flaming not. I'm saying. You better watch the throne, King Chester, hottest cheetah that you've ever known. I'm extra flaming hot, you can't tell me nothing. I'm bringing back asteroids, think I'm bluffing? This ain't over. <laughs>